Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. It's a round brush. It's a round brush. So how many men out there use a round brush? Any men out there use a round brush? Men? Men, men. Any men out there use a round brush, right? No one does. The only guy who says they use a round brush, do you use a round brush? Do you used to use a round brush? Wow. Bless you, my child. Bless you. So when Sue used to comb Becky's hair as a little girl, she said, don't use this by yourself. I will comb your hair with this brush. Otherwise, this is what happens. Let's look. Right? That's not Becky. That's not Becky. So one day, Becky, Miss Perfect, my little angel child, snuck into our bedroom, grabbed the round brush, and was combing her hair. And as she was combing, what was she doing? Twisting and twirling. And next thing you know, you hear death screech. Ah! Ah! Sue runs in like, what's happening? Becky's dying! And Sue looks at Becky's hair and goes, ah! Ah! And next thing you know, she's like, Rob, Rob. I'm like, what happened? She's like, it's Becky. It's Becky. I'm like, did she get hurt? She's like, no, you got to come see. And there's Becky with the round brush in the side of her hair. I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't comb my hair with the round brush. I don't know what to do. I'm a guy. I'm not Steve Krause. I wish I could have said that. So I said, try peanut butter. Try butter. And they're looking on YouTube, trying to do all these things. And Becky's like, get it out. And they're pulling it. And all of a sudden, it started ripping a bald spot to the point that they had to go to a dermatologist. And Becky and she was like, stop, stop. And she's like, I got to do it. I have to do it. She's so like, do what? She's like, get the scissors. She's like, we can't get it out. If we want to save the hair, we have to cut the brush out. Da-na, 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 na-na. And it came out. So why am I talking about this? Because in all of our lives and in people's we love's lives, they have the round brush syndrome. They get so entangled in this world that the harder they try to get out, the more damage they do to themselves. And when we are plugged into Jesus, Jesus has the power to untangle our lives. He has the power to untangle every single aspect of every area of our life. And today, I said this last week, last week and this week are the two most important gospel passages in my life. And if we can be the church that God has called me to lead, that last week and this week will mirror the gospels and what Jesus wants to do in humanity's world. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these fun little stories. I'm sorry that my kids are always the brunt of it. Forgive me. But in all of our lives, we become entangled to the point that we do more damage than we ever imagined. I ask you today for that individual who needs to stop damaging themselves. Give me wisdom as I speak. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 13. Mark chapter 5. Again, this is my favorite chapter for me personally. I can, I can put myself in this passage all the time. It says this, So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling. Everyone howl with me. Ow! Give me a howl. Ow! Welcome to the plant. And he howled, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Look how deliberate this passage is. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? And this is interesting. It's only Mark chapter 5. And someone is publicly declaring who Jesus is. In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, not to the man, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd of about 2,000. Pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. I want to give you permission today, like any week. Whatever I say this morning and you are struggling with or wrestling with or want to dive into a little bit more, I want you to email me and I will send you my notes. For me, this sermon is a little bit too easy for me to preach. It's too free-flowing out of my mouth because of the wrestling in my soul that God has taken me through. You see, when I look at this passage, I'll be very transparent with you. I, I see my life journey. And I see, even from the very beginning, the man from Gerasene. Here you have Jesus. Jesus, whenever he traveled, he either walked or he took a boat. Whenever you see this, he shows up to the region of Gerasenes, which would have been a Gentile Samaritan area, controlled by the Roman government, even though every place was. But, but this place was a little bit more infected by that. And when Jesus got off the boat, a man out of nowhere runs at him and starts howling and screaming to intimidate Jesus. And right away, Jesus stops him. And he speaks to the evil inside the man. 
He did not speak to the man who was evil, but he spoke to the man who was demonized, which is the proper terminology, demonized by evil spirits. And when he spoke, the demon even begged God that Jesus wouldn't mess with them. How messed up is that? Even, even the demon said, God, get Jesus away. Isn't that crazy? I mean, when you read these passages time and time again, you're like, wow. Evil is really scared of Jesus. And Jesus speaks to the evil spirit. Let me be very clear about that. He speaks to the evil in this man. And the evilness, the evil entities identify themselves. And he says, our, our name is Legion because there are many. Again, think about cultural settings. Legion is a Roman army force of 5,400 men and 120 horsemen. I mean, just think about that. This man was tormented by countless personalities and demonic presences that caused him to live in a place of isolation and turmoil. Let me ask you a really hard question that we don't like to talk about. Do unhealthy cultural societal behaviors and mindsets affect individuals? Yes. Let me ask that again. Do unhealthy cultural and societal behaviors and mindsets affect individuals? Yes. I think it's very important that there was a name given to the demonic. And it was a representation of the cultural powers that were there. Jesus commanded the demonic to leave, and they left. You see, this man would have been brought to doctors. This man would have been brought to the, the psych psychiatrists, the psychologists, the social workers of that day. This man would have been brought to, to the rabbis. And parents and friends and family members, they all wanted a diagnosis. They all wanted to know what's wrong with him. So, rabbinical literature, this is what he was diagnosed with. Madness. Let's see what the symptoms are. What are the symptoms? Show us. Running about at night. Staying overnight in burial places. Tearing apart one clothes and destroying what one has been given. So, if you went home and you studied ancient rabbinic literature and looked up the diagnosis for madness, this is exactly what it would say. And so they probably tried everything. They probably tried forms of medication, forms of counseling, form of behavioral cognitive learning for this to stop. But nothing was working. So the question then is, if medication wasn't working, if cognitive learning and behavioral changes wasn't working, what do we do? This was their treatment. Look at this treatment. Loaded with chains as an attempt to curb one's inner turmoil by outward restraint and being put in a place of isolation. 
So when you look at this, there was so much more than just this this make-believe story that Jesus shows up and the authors of the gospel just say, hey, let's kind of like fabricate this. This is a real-life narrative with a real-life diagnosis, with a real-life treatment for that day, and everything they had done for this man, nothing worked. Matter of fact, every time he ripped the chains and broke the chains, he ran to his community, it says. And you know when he ran there, even though the evil in him was trying to intimidate them, and sometimes when people are going through really hard times, they don't know how to control themselves, and they come off completely wrong, deep down there's a deep cry for help. Do I get a jersey amen? People are crying out for help. People are crying out for help, and sometimes it's interpreted wrong. And the more he cried out for help, the more they enchained him. The more he cried out for help, the more he was isolated. And you see here that in his exhaustion, he only became more entangled. And if I look around in our world today, this is happening every single day. And I really think that what we need to do is we need to ask the question, is the demonic real? Yes. Is everything demonic? No. And we will get to that, I promise you. But the question when you look at this passage, we need to ask the question, is the demonic real? We see in Genesis all the way through Revelations chapter 21 that Satan was God's adversary. And Satan has two roles. First, to keep people in darkness, to blind them. 1 Corinthians 4.4. And he blinds the minds of individuals that they would not see the truth of God. Second is to oppose the progress of believers. So if your eyes open up, guess what Satan wants to do to you? He wants to oppose the progress of God in your life. You see, we think about evil and we think about big evil. But do we ever really believe that evil has an entity? And evil has a leader. And evil has, is, is collaborating. That our lives would never be able to experience the fullness of why God created us. And when I look around at this broken world, we like to use the word evil, but we never like to pin evil where it comes from. But when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, when you look at the Old Testament, you see that evil is all throughout opposing the kingdom and the work of God in people's lives. And so what does the evil do? What's the role of the demonic One, it can cause sickness. Is every sickness demonic? No, not every sickness is demonic. Matter of fact, when you look at scripture, you see epilepsy in two different scenarios. One is just something that a a child has and had, and the other, it was a demonic spirit. And so every sickness is not demonic. We are not one of those churches. Do I get an aha? We will not be that church, but we will be a biblical church, and we have seen that God does miraculous, mirac- miracles in both situations. 
The demonic causes physical ailment. The demonic preys on our weaknesses and on people's mental health. Is every mental health issue demonic? No. Do you hear me? No. But what the demonic does is it does prey on mental health. What else? It causes self-harm. Think about this passage. What was he doing? The demonic was embarrassing this guy. He made him run around butt naked. Would you want to be around him? I wouldn't. Anyone else? You guys want to hang out with a naked guy? I don't, right? And what else did it do? Stones. It says that he was self-harming. The demonic was causing self-harm. The demonic lies to an, to an individual to believe false accusations against self and others. The demonic causes confusion. And you know what Jesus said about, about Satan and his little minions, right? Don't we love that little movie, Minions? Oh, they're so cute. No, they're not. They're demonic. Just joking. He says he's the father of lies. And, there, and Jesus actually says that there's no truth in him. And so what do you think the demonic wants to do? Lie to you. Confuse you. Cause harm. The demonic exploits weaknesses. Tempts individuals to sin and have compulsive patterns. And so if you have a weakness inside of you, it, it, the demonic just wants to attach to you to cause you to live in a place of turmoil. But here's the thing. In my own personal life right now, I'm reading through Job. How many of you love the book of Job? Please, no one raise your hand. Oh, you love the book of Job? I hate that book. That book freaks me out. Do anything in me but Job, God. But I'll read the book because you told me to, right? But, but what we see in Job is, is the lots of lessons, but, but the demonic is limited. The demonic is limited. And the demonic knows it's limited. And the demonic knows its destiny. But here's the problem with the demonic. Let me show you a little illustration. Let me show you a picture. The elephant. In some countries with, that have elephants in, in different parts of the world that are, that are really part of an act of worship, a part of the family, they take a little baby elephant and they chain the ankle. And that little baby elephant can't break the chain. And so they just keep that, every time they put that chain on, what do you think that little elephant says is, I can't break the chain. I can't break the chain. And the elephant gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and one day you see this monstrous creature being controlled by a little chain that he can go like that. It's all he needs to do, that. Am I kicking hard? That. And the chain will snap. And that's what the demonic does in our life. He puts lies in us and around us that cause us to believe that lie that in the name of Jesus, all we have to do is go like this. And it can snap us. And it can snap. But instead, we allow the demonic to keep us tormented by lies. Imprisoned. Missing out on God. All that God has for us. Think about that. 
How many of you right now are uncomfortable talking about the demonic? I think we're, unto- we're uncomfortable about talking about the demonic for two reasons. One, the church doesn't talk about it. Two, if we avoid it, it won't affect us. Ha la 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 la. Right? I'm, I'm being honest. Right? There's some sometimes don't talk to me about that. Don't talk. Ha la 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 la. But there's a but there's a truth that in order for that lie to be snapped, we need to look at the truth. Amen. And so in this, what I want to do is I want to help you just three simple examples of the demonic. Three simple examples. First, rage. The Incredible Hulk. I remember that, right? The Incredible Hulk. You have the sweetest guy, the nicest guy, just a scientist. How angry can he get? But his anger became rage, and he became a monster. You see, this is what the Bible says. The the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Anger is not a sin. Do I get an uh aha? Anger is not a sin. But when we don't deal with our anger, anger becomes a part of our personality and we give it power over us and it becomes an entity to the point that anger is not dealt with that begins to grow in us and we become rageful. And someone who really battles with rage, when they are so rageful, they say they go red. And when they go red, they actually don't even know what's happening to them. It's almost like they pass out. It's almost like they go comatose and they just shut down. I think if someone is really battling that much, there might be something demonic. Because again, anger is not wrong. But when anger takes control, manifests over a person, it may be demonic. Let me give you another one. Anxiety. Someone's saying, anxiety's a devil? I didn't say that. Let me finish what I'm saying before you jump on me. We all battle with anxiety. Do I get an amen? amen? We all battle with fear. It's part of it. It's why Jesus addressed fear time and time again. The problem is, is when anxiety overtakes us so much that the voices start changing and telling us what we can and cannot do. It's when the anxiety literally becomes part of our personality, controlling us, dictating how we respond, and even worse, pushes us into a place of isolation. I know an individual who has such bad anxiety, and she's a very strong Christian woman, that her, her anxiety turned into every dog is evil. This woman was one of the most, is one of the most powerful women that I've ever met in the business world. I'm being serious with you. She doesn't go to the plant. None of you know her. But her anxiety became so much because of something that triggered her that it just grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And now her and her husband just live all alone, away from everybody else, paralyzed. What about self-harm? I don't think that we can ignore this. When we hear of people cutting, the first cut happens. Right now, cutting is a part of young teenage girls in America. Do you know that? It is, it's a rite of passage to cut. The first cut, right, happens. Second cut, 
Next thing you know that you believe a lie that I don't feel anything and the only way that I will feel something is if I can make myself bleed. So I've shared this with you. I struggled with cutting as a teenager. I was so consumed with all of the things in my world that one night I took out a steak knife and I said, you want to see if you really feel? And it was like a, it was like a, wow. And the lies began in my head again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Self-hatred. We live in a culture right now, and I want to be careful how I say this, because I am not saying this in any derogatory way. That young people are believing a lie. Have any of you ever said, I hate you, to yourself? Has anyone ever said, I hate you? Notice how I'm not looking down. I'm looking straight ahead. Looking in the mirror. I hate you. I hate how you made me. I hate everything. I feel uncomfortable. And we live in a culture right now that we're taking these, and it's really, it's, a, it's, a, it's becoming a, a pandemic amongst our young girls. You don't like how God made you? You're right. He's wrong. Be a boy. Be a boy. Be a boy. Hey, young man, you don't like how it is? Be a girl. And I'm not saying this politically. Please, hear me out. And I'm saying this in the, in the deepest sincerity because people that I love wrestle with this stuff. And my, my, my thing is not to exploit them. My point is to be present for them so that we can love them and be present to them and speak the truth before the demonic gets a hold of them and reshapes every aspect of who they are. And they're saying right now the biggest dilemma that's going to happen in the next 10 years is when a lot of these young people come out of it and say, look what you did to me. You defamed me. You sliced me. You diced me. And what do I do now? You see, we all go through growth processes. We all wrestle with stuff. They say right now that, that a lot of the young women are really battling because their frontal lobe is not fully developed. We're going to question. We're going to wrestle. We're going to all have stuff. So the question is, how do we distinguish the demonic? I'll be honest with you, not everything's demonic. It's not. I wrestled with OCD as a young boy. I wrestled with ADD. I was so susceptible to things. I was that little boy that would touch things four times. Any of you know anyone like that? Anyone know anyone like that? Right? I was that kid that, that before he went to bed that I would have to walk up and down the stairs like five times. Because something in me was just like, it just wasn't clicking. I was battling. Was it demonic? No. I was battling with mental health issues. I get it. Not everything is demonic. But what we have to be careful is, is that there are things that happen that are a gateway for the demonic to infiltrate a person's life. Let me give you three. First, the flesh, cultural and environmental strongholds. Cultural and, strong, and, and cultural and environmental strongholds. I'm using some pretty big examples. 
But if you really study all that's going on right now, this was not a battle 20-something years ago amongst young ladies. It wasn't. It was less than 0.01%. Actually, it was mainly young boys who were wrestling with this. Again, I do my homework, and I just don't read Christian books. I read the experts. But our culture is lying to us in many ways. In many ways, about anger and rage. Sue and I watched something uh, yesterday at a high school baseball game that there was one of the biggest fights in high school history that, that took place in, in California. And all you heard the parents doing was taunting the kids, screaming at the kids, come on, come on, come on. You saw the parents running out, going after the kids. You want to know why everyone's angry? Because the parents are angry, Right? And our culture puts it on the screen so we can suck it all in. And we can believe it and say, yeah, if I was there, I would have grabbed the bat too. That's normal. That's what we should do. What about flesh? Our own broken dispositions. We all have broken dispositions. Do I get an aha? I am so vulnerable with you all because I never want you to feel that I'm self-righteous. I get it. I get the battles. I get the struggles. I, I get the, 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 the whole idea of there's, there's certain things that, that I was born with that, that I've had to wrestle through, and I didn't grow up in an era that people were able to help me, and I had to figure it out. My one friend's a psychiatrist, and he knew me before Jesus and after Jesus. He said, how did you survive? How did you survive? I said, this is what I did. The Holy Spirit showed me how to overcome my OCD. Because no one was helping me. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. My ADD, I was told, you're a loser. You're stupid. You're lazy. Really? That's what I am? Last thing I am is lazy. Never been lazy. Didn't click. And the Holy Spirit started healing me as I put myself in healthy relationships with people who would help me. Everything's not demonic, but you have the world, your flesh, my flesh, and the devil. Evil that seeks to destroy God's handiwork. Every example I just gave you, anger, anxiety, or even self-hatred does not have to be demonic. But if it's not dealt with properly, it's a gateway for the demonic to take advantage of who God has created you to be. And if you are rageful, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you battle with anxiety, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you were like me who hated who God created, you know what I'm talking about. And those are just three examples. How do we know if the problem is demonic or not? We have to recognize that Satan will take advantage of a person's emotions and their psychological design. Satan will take advantage of your emotional and psychological design. It's the truth. He's done it to me. He can do it to you. When counseling and other forms of assistance only act as a temporary fix. I send many people to counseling. And our counselor is like working with the Holy Spirit. 
she does the best. She actually stopped helping other churches and only works with the plant because she sees a church that invests so much in their people that healing comes. But there are times when my, that counselor says, Rob, there's something else. Can you attack it? And then my pastoral team and I, we sit down and we deal with the demonic and they're freed. And what happens when it is demonic, the, the, the Holy Spirit comes in and does so much more than any form of counseling will ever do. And some of you are recipients of that. How do I know? Because that's what happened to me. I was released as a young man from any demonic strongholds. What else? Our actions are unable to be in alignment with Jesus. When there's a lie in your head that says, no, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I think we need to do a little investigation. We must be careful to be able to distinguish what is demonic and what is not. You see, right now, some of you are getting so wrapped up in what I've said or how I've said it that you're missing the whole point of the sermon. Why? Why? I am tired of this. The church is turned off. And because the church is turned off, people are turned off to Jesus. Is there power in your life? Is there transformation in your life? Let me read the passage. Verse 15. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Imagine this. His mom, his dad, his brothers, his sisters come up, and there he is, clothed. He hasn't been clothed in six years. And all of a sudden, he is sitting there perfectly sane, and everyone who knew him were afraid. Is it possible? What's the, different, what's the definition of, of, uh, of sane? Being of sound mind, reasonable, sensible, peaceful. What's the definition of, of being sane? Being of sound mind, reasonable, sensible, peaceful. He just sat there. He just sat there. And people were terrified of him. But he knew that Jesus healed him. It's all about Jesus. It's not about the demonic. It's all about Jesus. It's not about your brokenness. It's all about Jesus. It's not about your dispositions or, or things that have happened to you or how they've happened to you. And yes, they affect all of us. This passage is about Jesus because in Jesus, we do not have to be controlled by anything. 
We do not have to be controlled by fears, by anxieties. In Jesus, we can find our emotional stability and mental clarity. In Jesus, our minds can be transformed through his power that allows us to think, decide, and act on God's design and purposes for our lives. Jesus has the power to make us whole. And sometimes it's instantaneously. That's called salvation. And other times it's the process called sanctification. Meaning that when we give Jesus our yes and we just say, I'm going to trust your ways. Have your ways. I am going to learn to surrender my emotions, my decisions, my heartbeat to you. And every time that I am going off kilter, I am going to put healthy people in my life so I can live under the authority of Jesus. So Jesus can make me whole. Yesterday, Sue went to go see Wicked. With the middle school, the last time she ever has to do that again. She's like, praise Jesus. And I had space to say, Jesus, make me whole. Deal with my stuff. What's standing in the way of of you and I? And and what are the things that I am deliberately doing that, that gives you less space to be you? It's all about Jesus. He wants to turn your life on so you can live in the purpose for why he created you. And there are some things that vanish like this and there are other things because they're part of our disposition that we need to work through and we need to work with. And we may need to go to counseling. We may need discipleship. There are things that we need to align ourselves with. But there is a time when the demonic takes advantage of you. And you have to let Jesus be the healer. He has to. He has to. I'm going to invite Steve Krause to come forward. I got permission from him. Everyone's like, man, this is, what's your favorite part of today? Your message? Nope. Nope. Favorite part of this morning was watching Steve sing. It's my favorite part of the day. Yep. He and Holly came to the church to find healing. And they came, and they have been on the journey with us. And God has put multiple people in their lives to experience the power of Jesus. It's not about his dispositions. It's not about things that he just wanted to get over. It wasn't even about the demonic. It was about what Jesus is doing and will do, and has done, and will continue to do, because his life is focused on Jesus. And today, he was leading us in worship. That's the kingdom of God. Steve, are you perfect? Almost there? Half there. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Steve's desire is to experience the fullness of life. And whatever Jesus needs to deal with, Steve and Holly 
have given Jesus their yes. And I will say that since I've met you, you are whole. You may want to be more whole, but you are perfectly whole in the eyes of God. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's not what we achieve or where we go to. It's when we allow Jesus to be Jesus in our lives. I love you. I love you too. I'm proud of you. You and Holly are why we planted this church. I want to give you a tool. Because if you are like, man, I can't get over it. If you are really battling or someone you love is really battling. Sue and I, we do this together. When there are things in our marriage that just aren't dealt with, we practice this stuff. Steps to freedom. Three R's. Remember, renounce, reclaim. Do you notice how easy this sermon is just flowing off my tongue? It's because it's right here. It's right here. Anything I say is not to, to make a stance against any individuals. It's to make a stance against the work of the devil in people's lives. I'm tired of him winning. I'm tired of him winning. I'm tired how long he, will, he won in my life, and I'm tired how he's winning in other people's lives. And I want you to be free. Remember, when did it start? God, when did my anxiety take a whole new turn? When did I start going red? When did I become the incredible Hulk? I was always a gentleman. Remember. Then I want you to renounce it. In the name of Jesus, rage, not anger, rage, you have no more authority in my life. None. Jesus takes it away from you because I was turned on today. And then you reclaim it. Holy Spirit, you took rage out of me and you live in me. Every corner of my heart. Didn't we just sing that? Have your way. Though it cost me everything, though it cost me everything, fill that cavity that rage lived in. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? It becomes alive. It becomes alive. Smith Wigglesworth, who was a maniac, who God changed his life, he was illiterate. At the age of 40, he was a plumber in Europe, didn't know how to read. Jesus fell on him. He learned to read. He was a rageful man. His kids were terrified of him. At his funeral, his kids said, our, fathers, our father became the most gentle human being on the earth. You're allowed to get angry. You're allowed to get angry. But has your anger taken on a personality? We can all dance right now. <laughs> the three R's. Remember the gateway. When did it start? Renounce. 
the stronghold it has had on you. And reclaim the ground that's God's. It's not the enemy's. Let Jesus win. Let Jesus make you whole. Let's do communion. Can you hand me one of the communion cups right in front? Thank you. You see, when Jesus shared the gospel, the last time he said, here's the gospel message. My body, broken for you. My body, broken for you. It says in Isaiah and in 1 Peter, by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus, you're my healer. Let's eat. Then my favorite part is he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. When we drink the cup, we give the Holy Spirit full permission to invade our life, to be our healer, our deliverer, and our transformer. Let's drink It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.